There is coming a day of judgment. There is coming a future hope because of Jesus' resurrection. Then part of abounding in the work of the Lord is the work of evangelism and inviting people to get on the lifeboat, which is Jesus, or get in the ark, which is Jesus, so they can be saved from the wrath, which is to come, and have the hope of eternal life. But that's not all there is. Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us once again this week. I'm here with Pastor Nick Katie. He's the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And we are in our series again, Grace and Truth. As we've been looking at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and we've, we're getting to the end. We're getting to the end. We're in chapter 15. We did the last few verses of chapter 15 this week. And it was 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35 through 58. And the title of the message was The Defeat of Death and Victory through the resurrection. And if you missed that message, you can find it up on our website, whitefieldschurch.com or YouTube, Facebook, and of course, any of your favorite streaming platforms. And if you would, you know, you're watching right now on YouTube, just give us a like, subscribe. Uh, if you're you're listening on a podcast, if you can review it, uh, you know, leave it, leave a comment, a note. Love to hear from you. That just. Anyway, any interaction with the content really helps us boost us in, in the ratings. And that way, you know, when people are asking questions about these topics, we can provide them, uh, you know, Christ-centered, gospel-centered answers to their questions. And so this week we find ourselves 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And again, you know, we've spent, Paul, you know, these last three, three weeks, we've really been, focus has been the resurrection. And, uh, but I love, I really love how Paul, finishes out this chapter you know it's I, I love the way he began it it was just he's like brings everybody back to the gospel he says now I remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you which you received and in which you stand and by which you're being uh, saved if you hold fast the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain and then he finishes he just you know brings it all around again and he says at the end there therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain and so we see that word therefore and, uh, you know, in, in teaching circles when we say, you know, when we come across that word therefore, we want to know what the therefore is therefore. So we just wanted to, so we began this, uh, this uh, podcast, we just wanted to talk about that. What is, what is Paul getting at here? Yeah, it's pretty interesting because the whole section is about the resurrection and about how there is life after death, that God is working this big plan to that culminates in a new heavens and a new earth, us having resurrection bodies and living forever in God's presence in this, in this world that God is going to create. And so um, it's interesting that in light of that, then Paul concludes by saying, therefore, be steadfast and immovable, right? Which most likely refers to in regard to doctrine and beliefs because they had been moved and they had been swayed by people who um, had dissuaded them from believing this core Christian, and not just Christian, but biblical doctrine that's taught throughout the entire Bible, that there is something after you die. There is life after death and that God is doing something beyond this life of which this life is a shadow and a precursor. So he says, be steadfast and movable. But then he says, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So two things there that are worth breaking down and reflecting on. First of all, he's saying that because this world is not all there is, because this life is not all there is, therefore always be abounding in the work of the Lord. 
and that's interesting because you could say that some people would say, hey, if this life is not all there is and the better life is to come, then who cares about this world, right? This world is a sinking ship and we just need to focus on getting people out of here. Or they might say, hey, this world is like a house on fire. You don't put on new curtains on a house that's on fire. You just try to save people out of it. That's part of the work of the Lord is actually this salvation. Okay, so that's part of it. If this is true and this life is not all there is, there is coming a day of judgment. There is coming a future hope because of Jesus' resurrection. Then part of abounding in the work of the Lord is the work of evangelism and inviting people to get on the lifeboat, which is Jesus, or get in the ark, which is Jesus, so they can be saved from the wrath, which is to come, and have the hope of eternal life. But that's not all there is, right? Because there's more to it than that. There's also this idea that Paul has suggested earlier. And let me say this. He didn't just suggest it. He taught it explicitly. He said that, you know what the death of a believer is like? It's like planting a seed. That seed goes into the ground and something comes out from the ground which derives from the seed but is different in form than the seed. But how much greater is it, right? Like nobody gets excited to look at a little seed, but we see the beauty of a flower. We see the the usefulness of a plant, so the fruitfulness of it. Um, and so bigger in scale and glory and beauty and usefulness. And he says, that is what your resurrection body will be like. What you have now, it's like a seed. It's going to go into the ground, be destroyed, and come out as something greater. Well, is not the same true of the world, right? This earth, it says in First Peter, will be destroyed as by fire, and there will be a new heavens and a new earth, and yet, we get so many glimpses, so many ideas that the new heavens and the new earth that is to come is in the same way, similar to, yet different from in form, and yet derived from, in many ways, this earth. Well, that would imply that perhaps there are things that you can do here and now, which are not just a waste, even considering the fact that the world would be destroyed. Because like a seed, it will sprout up to something more beautiful, more glorious, more useful, and more wonderful. You know, for example, it says that in the new heavens and the new earth, the, um, the knowledge of God will cover the earth like the water covers the sea. In other words, that implies that there will be some continuity, there will be some similarity between this world that we live in now and the world which is to come. Uh, just like there is continuity between our earthly bodies and our heavenly bodies and yet different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think this, uh, this, this, uh, paradigm of, of death bringing life is such an interesting topic that, that Paul, you know, kind of fleshed out here in, in chapter 15, but you know, it began with Jesus when he said in John chapter 12, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And it's, you know, it's kind of a hard concept. A lot of things within God's economy, I guess, mm -hmm. are, you know, it's this, this paradox that seems to exist, you know, in order for us to be first, we need to be last, you know, in order to, for us to bear fruit in our lives, we need to die first. But, and it's sometimes, you know, hard to, to grasp because of the sacrifice that, and we don't necessarily see, see the future of what the Lord is, is trying to accomplish. And the thought that came to my mind, you know, just thinking about our missionaries right now mm -hmm. in, in the Ukraine and just the idea how many missionaries over the years, you know, um, have gone and died, you know, and from their death birthed, you know, 
many more. You think of a Hudson Taylor, Jim Elliott, and Jim Elliott, and 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 many of these who who gave their lives for ministry and the fruit that was born literally died, you know, and uh, and so much has borne fruit from mm-hmm. that. And just that it's just a beautiful picture of 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 all that the Lord has for us we just want to be you know obedient as paul says there to be steadfast and movable always abounding and let you know let god take care of that fruit because we you know we're we're not the ones that are you know are producing that fruit mm-hmm. it's our obedience in doing this very thing that he's talking about in here it's just being steadfast you know immovable you know in the word of god just Living it, you know, uh, day in and day out and bounding in the work of the Lord, you know, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We might not see, you know, the, what do you say, the, the fruit on this side of heaven. You know, we might one day, you know, get to be in heaven with the Lord, meet people that, you know, our lives have touched and we had no, no idea just by being, you know, even movable and steadfast in the daily things of, of the word of God. And, uh, but there was another, um, uh, another verse that we kind of, you know, kind of ties back into that, you know, when Paul is like telling us what is what is most important, and it was kind of uh, many times these verses are spoken in in conjunction with with the rapture, and the rapture of the church, and and uh, uh, pre tribulation, and um, and it says, "Behold, I tell you a mystery." There in verse fifty one of chapter fifteen, I tell you a mystery: we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall, and we shall be changed. And you know, I, I, I you know, you can chime in on this, but the the idea of it's important that we have an eschatology that we understand what you know what it is. But there's kind of been two caricatures that have developed in, in, in Christendom up to this point, and that's one being you have those that were leaving before a tribulation period, and so the the saying goes, they're too heavenly-minded, being the earthly good, and and that's one where, you know, they're not, they're not steadfast, they're not immovable, they're kind of like basically holding on until that day comes, and now I'm out of here, they're not really doing anything necessarily for the kingdom, that's one extreme, and then the other one, of course, you have those that say, well, we're going to go through all of this and they become bunker, bunker minded Christians, you know, you know, getting their MREs and their food stores and water and their guns and everything. I got to fight off, you know, my neighbors for the next seven years, yeah. basically. They're gonna, I want to <laughs> kill those hungry people yeah. who come to get my stored food. Stored food, yeah. you know. And so we have these two things. And, and you know, in, in, in face of all that, Paul, and we get this, you know, we get this from the scripture that we are to be ready mm-hmm. for the Lord's return whenever that may be and you know at some point we're going to be discussing eschatology but but Paul seems to um, to speak that 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 we need to be immovable steadfast always abounding you know what is the Lord calling us to do today he wants us abounding in the work of the Lord not necessarily storing up our guns or not necessarily just kind of waiting and you know until he might return at some point but being about the the father's business right absolutely i mean this is a a recurring theme throughout the bible and it's this that um jesus can come back at any time there's nothing that you know we say oh we can't come back no he could come back at any time and therefore we should be ready a great passage on this topic is in matthew chapter 25 where um in matthew 24 we have the olivet discourse and it goes into Matthew 25. The, all of that discourse is a speech that Jesus gave to his disciples standing on the Mount of Olives on the week, on the Monday of Holy Week. 
So he comes into town on Palm Sunday, and then either that day or the next day, he goes up to the Mount of Olives, which overlooks the city of Jerusalem. It's just right across the valley from it. It's like a hill outside of town. So they're looking over Jerusalem, and he begins to tell them what is going to happen and the signs of his coming. And some of the things he says are things which would have a near fulfillment, and some of the things are a far fulfillment. But either way, he brings it all under the umbrella of, here's some things that are going to happen in the future, and here's how to be prepared for them. And that's what chapter 25 is about. You know, be ready at all times for my coming and for these things to happen. And what does it mean to be ready? Well, he makes it clear to be ready is like a king, he says, who has gone to a far country and he left some of his servants in charge of his goods or his resources. And then when he comes back, he's going to ask them what they did with it. And he wants to see that they've invested it and they've used it, not just buried it in the ground because they were afraid of messing up or losing it. And so what, what he's saying is to be ready means to be actively engaged in the work of God right now. It doesn't mean to be uh, focusing. Sometimes, as you're, you rightly said, we should study the scriptures and we should see the signs of the times. Jesus chided the uh, some of his opponents, right, for not not knowing the signs of the time. He said, you guys are good at reading the sky. You know what, or, you know, the sky will give you signs of if bad weather's on the way. And yet you don't even look at the scriptures to see the signs of the times in them. And you should. So Jesus tells us we should be looking at the signs of the times. We should be ready. We should be prepared. And yet it would be wrong to become overly obsessed with just looking at those things. You know, uh, I think of Acts chapter one, where Jesus' disciples come and they say, okay, Lord, now you've resurrected. Now is now the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus says, it is not for you to know the, the times and the seasons that the Father has put in his uh, authority, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And in other words, here's what I want you to be doing until I come. I want you to be actively engaged being my witnesses until I come. And you know what? If I come back and that's what you're doing, I'm going to be glad. Mm -hmm. And if I come back and that's not what you're doing, I'm going to be upset, like, because that's what I want you to do. So I think this is really important that almost no matter what your eschatology is, uh, of course, I and I, we agree on uh, a certain eschatology, and I think it's correct. I think it's biblical. But I would say that the thrust of what you should do with your eschatology is very clear. And that is that you should, there should be a sense of urgency, like John 9, right? There, we must do the works of the Father while it is day because night is coming when no man can work. There's a window open right now that we have an opportunity and we should feel that sense of urgency because eternity's on the line and there won't always be the opportunity. And so, yeah, I, I think that that should be very clear. I think if, if your eschatology leads you to uh, be complacent, then you should re-examine your eschatology. Yeah, no, that's a very important point. And, and I think, yeah, that's just a great, it's a great verse that be abounding, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And that's just something that, that Paul, you know, through all of this, that's what he's, he's, you know, he brings them back to it. What is most important? I remind you of the gospel. And what does the gospel lead us to? It leads us to be abounding in the work because it's, 
the resurrection life that we live in, like the song we sang on Sunday, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is, is alive in us. And what are we doing with that? It's, it's been given to us, and we would not want to squander the Spirit of God and the, and the things that He wants to do through each and every individual that, that, that has called themselves Christian. He, God has got a plan for you. And uh, so that's just something to think about this, this week. And I, uh, just one last thought as we, as we go, I just was, was thinking on the idea of the trumpet, that last trumpet in those same verses. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised and perishable. And just how in the Psalms, especially in the Psalms of Ascent, the, the trumpets were used as, as a, a call to worship, to let the people know this is the time to go up to the temple. And when that trumpet sounds, it's going to be the call to go up that final time and go and worship the Lord and be in his presence, be at rest. And it's going to be a time of joy when you hear that final trumpet. If you happen to be here on the on the earth when it does sound that it's going to be a time to rejoice that the Lord is calling you to ascend to 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 his temple and the worship is going to begin for eternity. So just some that's the hope we have, but until that hope is fulfilled in time and eternity in heaven when we spend that time with the Lord. We're about to be about the Father's business here on the earth. So we look forward to seeing you next week. we got one more chapter, and then we're headed into a new series. So God bless you.